Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for They didn't believe God would do, if you don't believe God would do something like this, the Judeans didn't believe it either. They need to recognize God is doing this. His hand is upon it. And that's why they arrested him instead of turning him loose on the Philistines. I, you would like to think if I was there, I would have turned Samson loose, go get him. But if you've given yourself over to oppression, if you have given yourself to your enemy, if you said, oh, well, I'm under oppression, this is the way it is, this is the way it's always going to be. You lose your discernment. You don't know who's good and who's bad. You can't tell. That's why they didn't turn him loose. The Lord has wrath against the willful, unrepentant sinner. God is going to have to judge it. So God will judge the wicked, so he has to. Now the Judeans, they should have turned him loose on the wicked people, the oppressive Philistines, but they just could not recognize the Lord's hand in what was going on. Friends, don't turn yourself over to your oppression. Don't look at your, your situation and go, well, that's just the way it's always going to be, and I, I, I guess that's just how it's supposed to, that's just how it is. There goes your discernment. You're not supposed to walk in that. You're supposed to walk in victory. The Lord says, I want to show you because the Lord orchestrated this. In Isaiah 54, 16, he says, Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. Interesting viewpoint on who God is. This is the Lord saying, hey, y'all, I'm the one that does this. I set this up. The Lord does the whole job from start to finish. Not only does he create the man that forges the weapon, he also creates the destroyer who wields it. Both, all the way, all the way across the board. God does this. He enables all of this. Why? Because God judges sin. He has to execute judgment upon sin. Don't say, well, that's just the way it always is. This is how it is. God's going to judge that. Look for your deliverer. And so it was that by the Spirit of the Lord's power, Samson killed 1,000 men with the jawbone of a donkey. Let's get interesting here. Show that picture of that jawbone. Oh, there he is. He's fighting with it. Um, You can see how lethal... A jawbone like this would have been in battle, inflicting a lot of damage because you can see how that would really cut into people. Now, go on to the next one. This is a closer look at a donkey's jawbone. Now, you notice both sides of the jawbone, the bones are joined together at the frontal, the front teeth. And you can take that sucker and swing it, and you can see what kind of damage this would do. This would hurt. And it, this was a, a fresh jawbone. It wasn't an old, dried-up one. We had new ropes. We got a new jawbone. Okay. They're all strong here. And I have seen that, considered the fact it is possible that Samson broke the jawbone in half at the teeth, kind of like how you break a wishbone so that he could have a weapon for each hand. Show the next picture. Now, that right there, that looks like something out of the movie 300. 
I mean, you can see what kind of damage this guy's going to do. He, he snapped that, could have, I, we don't know, but you can see now we're doing some real damage here. Um, now, y'all don't ask me to send you this picture because I don't want anybody going off trying to make a tattoo out of it or something because I, I know it looks really cool. <laughs> Samson killed a thousand men. However, he used the bone. We, we have seen, we know how lethal it can be. He killed a thousand men with that bone. And in the past, Samson fought men without a weapon. He tore the lion apart with his hands, but now he has a weapon such as this. And now he killed a thousand. Now, where it says that Samson said, heaps upon heaps, do you see that? Heaps upon heaps, he said. He was speaking about his triumph, about the piles of Philistines he had killed. Imagine 1,000 dead bodies in piles that he had just killed. But there is a Hebrew word, and I can't go guttural. I can't do that. I'm just going to say camor. The Hebrews might say chamor. I don't know. I probably demolished that. Chamor either means donkey or heap. It means donkey or heap. And so when Samson said heaps upon heaps, it could be that he said something like this, a play upon words. I have made piles out of, out of the Philistines. He also meant it as I have made piles of, let me call it, worthless asses out of the Philistines. Heaps upon heaps, I made donkeys out of you. I made piles of donkeys. And it's a play upon words that he used the same word, heaps upon heaps. See, when we read it in the English, we only see heaps upon heaps, heaps upon heaps. He said, I made piles of donkeys out of you guys. It was an insult. It was a down-talking term. And so now you can hear what Samson meant. He didn't just say heaps upon heaps. It was a play on words to make an insult to the Philistines' final end. Guys, wickedness, evil, sin is going to be judged by God, and it is a bad place to be. There's nothing good can be said about it. Look to your deliverer. Now, this past week, I was at Rocket Boom Coffee. I was studying for this. I was at Rocket Boom, and they got children's books laying around. And while I was studying for this message, I saw a children's book at my table, and it was called The Wonky Donkey. And it just happened to be sitting right there. And I'm studying about this bone, and there's the wonky donkey. <laughs> and so Samson made wonky donkeys out of the Philistines. Okay, get off that picture. We're going on. I don't want everybody to stay stuck on that too long. <laughs> or I'm going to get wonky myself. Judges 15 and 17. And so it was when he had finished speaking that he threw the jawbone from his hand and called that place Ramoth-Lehi. Then he became very thirsty. So he cried out to the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? So God split the hollow place that is in Lehi, and water came out, and he drank, and his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore he called its name Enhachor. I probably messed that one up. Which is in Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. That's a nice long rule right there. God was certainly with him. God was certainly with this man. Now, Ramoth Lehi, it means the hill of the jawbone. The hill of the jawbone. They often named places according to what happened there. And so God answering Samson's prayer, he was thirsty. 
And so he restored him with water. Is just more biblical evidence that the Lord was enabling Samson to do this messy work in delivering Israel. Now, in closing here, I want to try to draw some parallels uh, with the gospel message that I just somehow seem to always find, and I'm glad I do. (laughs) I want us to review some things that happened. I want us to think about some things that happened. I'm going to write, have you all, if you're writing, uh, take some points down. The first point, Samson's anger was aroused against the wicked. Anger against the wicked. This is a gospel picture in here for us. Nahum 1, verse 2. And I think we went over this last week. God is jealous, and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserves wrath for his enemies. Now you're thinking, I thought jealousy was bad. No, there is a righteous jealousy. I'm married to Anna right there. Any other man tries getting his hands on her, my righteous jealousy goes up, and I'm, I'm on top of it. <laughs> and I'm going to take care of the issue, and I'm going to get that guy away from her. That is righteous jealousy. It is okay. It is godly. So there is righteous jealousy. When she's mine, she's mine. And when anybody messes with her, my jealousy spikes up, and I do something about it. That's what God is doing for Israel. People are messing with his people. And his jealousy goes up, and he does something about it. It makes him mad. And so he reserves wrath for his enemies. And now he's angry at sin. And the reason he takes out wrath on the wicked is to protect his people. Guys, you, gotta be, you better be glad that the Lord takes wrath out on the enemies of his people, because if he didn't, they'd be getting you and me. He's protecting us. And so just like how Samson attacked the Philistines, but he would not touch his own brethren, Samson would not touch his own brethren. God has his anger aroused against wickedness, but he's not going to touch those that are his own, if you truly belong to him. The second thing, Samson hid in a cleft in the rock. In verse 8, it says he hid in a cleft in the rock. What is a cleft? A cleft is a cut. It's a cut. And so Samson took refuge in the cut in the rock. Now, back in Exodus 33, Moses, he asked the Lord this one time, he said, show me your glory. And the Lord said, okay, but you cannot see my face, for nobody can see my face and live. God is so powerful. If we saw him in our state that we're in, in this flesh, if we saw God himself directly, his power would be so great, it would kill us. That's how powerful he is. So God told him, he told Moses, he goes, he says, I will put you in a cleft in the rock. I'll take, there's this rock, I'll put you in a, a little cut in the rock. You go in there, you put, get in the cleft in the rock, and I'll cover you with my hand while I pass by. So Moses is in the cleft, he says, I'll cover you as I pass by. So he's going to pass by. He says, then I'll remove my hand and you'll see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So Moses is in the cut in the rock. God puts his hand, and, and he passes by, and once he gets by him, he removes his hand, and then he could see his back. That's how that worked out, and that's Exodus 33. It is a fascinating story. Go look it up. It's great. And so you've got God whose wrath is so fierce against sin, but he offers us a place of safety so that we can see his glory. So that we can see his glory. Where? In a cleft in the rock. That's where Samson is hiding out. And I want you, want you to see Psalm 18 and 2. It says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. 
my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And so we know now that Jesus is the rock, okay? But what about the cleft? What's the cleft? If I know where the rock is, I need the cleft to hide in. Remember, Samson wanted refuge, so where did he run? He ran to the rock and hid in the cleft. What is the cleft? Remember, a cleft is a what? A cleft is a cut. What is a cut? It's an injury. It's a terror. Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we are healed. There's the cleft. There's the cut in the rock for you to take refuge in. The third point. Samson was arrested. Samson was arrested, and then he had victory against the enemy. His arrest took him where the Philistines were, didn't it? They arrested him to new robes, and they took him right to the Philistines, and that's when he broke them and killed them with the jawbone of a donkey. Jesus was arrested, and he was taken away. And his arrest took him straight to the cross. And at the cross, Jesus fought for our victory too, didn't he? I see a lot of parallels, guys. The fourth thing. Samson's life was restored with water. Samson's life was restored with water. Now, it really intrigues me that it mentions that after Samson won against the enemy, he threw the jawbone away. Did you all see that? After he won, it says he threw the jawbone from him because that means the fight was finished. When the fight was finished, he threw the jawbone away. Then water flowed from the rock, which restored Samson's life. The same with Jesus. When Jesus won the fight, he said, It is finished. And he gave up his spirit. But then what happened after that? A soldier stabbed him in his side. And the Bible says, Outflowed blood and water. Blood and water. Water is illustrative of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. As a matter of fact, we see that in John 7 and 37. Now, this was during the Feast of Tabernacles, which we just did, the, the Sukkot, the Feast of Booths. John seven thirty-seven. on the last day, the, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning who? The Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Keep a snapshot of that verse real quick. The Holy Spirit was not given until after Jesus was glorified. The water would not flow from the rock until the battle had been first finished. Y'all see what happened in the story of Samson now? The gospel's right there in it. Samson fought, then it was finished. He threw the jawbone away. Then, and only until then, did the water flow from the rock. We get to see this story, this order, played out in the story of Samson. Number one, his anger was aroused, vengeful wrath against the wicked. Two, he found refuge in a cleft in the rock. Third, his arrest took him right towards the fight to victory. And fourth, Water flowed from the rock to restore his life. All of these elements are in the gospel for you and I, and that God has great wrath against our sin, 
But we have a place of refuge by the cuts, by the injuries of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was arrested and then defeated our enemy so that we could now receive the water of the Holy Spirit who restores us to eternal life. Guys, when I read Judges 15 and I saw all these things, it blew me away. The gospel is there. 1 Corinthians 10 and 4 says, For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Guys, that water's got to flow out for you to receive the water, the Holy Spirit who restores your life. But that could not happen until first the battle had to be won. And Jesus said, it is finished. And because he went to sit at the right hand of the Father, now the Helper, the Holy Spirit can come that you can drink of and be refreshed to life. Um, Friends, did I force this out of the story or do you all actually see the gospel here with me? I don't think I had to try too hard to make this fit any kind of preconceived notion that I may have had. But sadly, we can tell people about our Deliverer Jesus, but they don't see Him as a Savior. I tell people about Jesus all the time. They don't see Him as a Savior, but rather somebody who is irritating them, who threatens to undo what they're used to, because they have to change. To accept Jesus, you have to change. You remember the Judeans said to Samson, don't you know the Philistines rule over us? Don't you know this is the way it is? Don't come in here trying to change stuff. This is how it is. And they looked at Samson as a problem rather than turning him loose to fight their enemy. Friends, what I'm trying to say is this. You're not supposed to be accustomed to being a slave to sin. And so don't regard Jesus as a problem to how things just are in your life. Make him Lord of your life so that you can release the power of God out over your enemy. Let him take care of it. Let him deal with it. Don't say, Jesus, why are you here? This is how things have always been. Turn the power of the Holy Spirit of God and Lord Jesus Christ, the victory he won, turn it loose over your life. It doesn't have to be like this anymore. Well, this is just how it is. I don't want Jesus because this is just how it is. No, it doesn't have to be that way. Make him Lord. Release the power of God over your enemy. The Israelites were oppressed by the Philistines. The enemy kills and destroys. Did the Philistines not burn Samson's wife and her father with fire? They destroy. That's what they do. That's what the enemy does. You can't let that just be how things are. Because this is just how things are comes with destruction. Everything you have and hold dear in your life, if you don't turn it over to Jesus, you're probably going to lose it. If the Israelites should have put Samson's power to work over the Philistines to win their freedom, then friends, shouldn't you make Jesus Lord to put his power to work over your sin to win your freedom? Or do you view Jesus the way the Judeans foolishly viewed Samson? Don't you know that sin rules over me? Don't you know this is the way it is? The Judeans couldn't recognize God's hand in their own deliverance because they lost that discernment. And so they rejected Samson, who was sent to save them. I pray that you can recognize God's hand in your deliverance from sin so that you will not reject Jesus Christ, who came to save you. The people that reject Jesus, they see him as an irritant to their life. 1 Corinthians 1.18 shows which side of the fence you're on. 
For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Which way do you view Jesus? Is he an irritant you don't want to mess with right now? This is how things are. Just what are you doing? Don't you know sin rules over me? Don't you know this is how it is? Or do you, are you starting to think of Jesus as, wow, maybe I need to take him up on what he's offering. Maybe I need to turn that power loose over my enemies and get my enemies out of here. Our sin has provoked God's wrath. He has given us a place of refuge to hide in, a cleft in the rock. Jesus went and fought the fight and said, it is finished and defeated the enemy. And then he offers you the water, the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. Take him up on it. It's such a good, good deal. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. Lord, there's so much in Judges 15. Thank you for all that, for that story. And Lord, it was hard for them to go through. All we have to do is read it. Lord, may we learn. May we learn from this story that we take you up on your offer. Lord, there's a lot of your people who have not hidden in that cleft. Lord, draw your people to the rock. Get them in the cleft where your glory can pass by, where they can see your glory. Lord, so many people are not seeing your glory because they won't get in the cleft. Help us to show them where that cleft is so they can join us there, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord, that you're, you fought that fight. And like Samson threw the jawbone away because the work was done, you on the cross said it is finished. And you offer us complete and total freedom. No longer do we have to be submitted under oppression anymore. Lord, for anybody who has had the attitude in their life, this is just how it is. Lord, give them discernment. It doesn't have to be like this anymore. But it does have to come with change. Jesus fought for that change. Lord God, bring us your people. Draw your people. Lord, I also pray for the pastors here that I have been hearing from that are thinking about quitting. Lord, it's crossed my mind, I'll be honest. Give them strength, give them encouragement. Give them people who will get behind them and support them and pray for them and tell them to keep going, you can do it. Because, Lord, we have to be encouraged if we're going to tell others to be encouraged too. Sometimes the load feels so heavy. But like you say in your word, all of you who are weary and tired, come to me. Lord, I pray for the pastors, the the Bible-teaching pastors, the faithful, believing pastors of the world who are thinking about hanging it up, that they decide to stick with it, that they keep going, they don't give up. I thank you for all these things, Lord God. It's a tall order, I know, but Lord, you're taller than the order. We ask it in Jesus' name. Lord, for anybody here who has heard me or is hearing me, they realize they need to get right with the Lord Jesus Christ and give him complete and total control of their life and to stop thinking of him as somebody who's there to just mess everything up and take away from them what they want. It is now freedom for them that you fight, Lord God. I pray that they say, Lord, I I messed up. I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. And thank you for fighting for me. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I make you Lord of my life. I turn it all over to you. Even the things that I know I'm going to lose that I, in my sin, I wished I could keep. But Lord, it's not good for me. I let it go. Take it, Lord God, and destroy it so that I can never go back to it again because I don't want to anymore. I give you my life. You're you're my Lord. Unleash your power over my life. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.